0: Hello, I'm Christy Duncan, founder of Women in Payments, a global network that connects, inspires, and champions women across the global payments industry. Welcome to our Pause for Payments podcast. Every week, we sit down with an inspiring woman leading the way in the field. We'll discuss industry and career-related topics and share personal success stories to inspire and empower the next generation of women leaders. Before we begin, I'd like to thank our sponsors for their continued support. With your help, we can go further, faster.
1: Hello, I'm Alison Barbosa and I'm the Chief Commercial Officer of Women in Payments. I'm delighted to be chatting today with Johan Kempfer, Partner Strategy and Transactions at EY and Abai Rati, Senior Manager Consulting. Welcome Abai and Johan.
2: Thank you Alison for having us. Thank you Alison, glad to be here.
1: Thank you. Today, we will be discussing Winning in Consumer Payments. I'm really interested in how you define this, Johan and Abai, because as you know, we live in a world dominated by e-commerce and the ongoing digital transformation means that banks can no longer rely on one-size-fits-all approach. This is a great topic and there's a lot to unravel here. Um, Before we get started, would you mind just telling the audience, both of you, just tell us a little bit about your roles, maybe we'll start with Abai.
3: Sure. Uh, so I'm based out of Dallas, uh, as Allison said, senior manager in our banking and payments consulting practice. And uh, my primary role is working with our financial services client. And uh, it may sound very consulting-like, but I work in all areas of strategy operations and technology. And uh, as a background, I started as a programmer in the industry and then over the years, uh, just like payments as a domain, starting working closely with the business stakeholders, and just find it very exciting with uh, all the innovation that's happening in payments. Uh, it's a great time to be here. Great.
1: Johan?
2: Um, name it again is Johan Kampfer. Um, in, I'm in the strategy and transactions teams of, of UI, um, where we focus on, on two domains. One is transactions, i.e., deals happening in the industry, folks buying payment businesses or selling payment businesses. Um, And then the other one where I primarily focus on is the strategy area. So working with payment clients, as well as non-payment clients, where accepting payments, handing payments is a key part of their business on strategic initiatives that stretch a variety of typical engagement models from your typical strategy business unit or corporate strategy type engagements to uh, product-type engagements, where should we invest, Um, how should we drive revenue or, or consumer experiences through payments.
1: Fantastic. It's great to have you here. As we touched upon earlier, customer expectations are changing, and banks will have to rethink if they want to keep pace with other players in the ecosystem, like the fintech firms. Abai, what do you think are some of the fintechs have done differently to win in the payments landscape?
3: Yeah, Sure. So look, I mean, as as the name suggests, right, it's uh, FinTech. So they have obviously built compelling uh, financial services propositions based on technology. And then I, I think one could argue that uh, they had no barriers to entry, no pressures on profitability or regulatory as some of the other players. But, but I think it goes beyond that a little bit. It's about the business model and other things that they've brought to table. And some of those things are, I think, uh, one, they have they started, at least, building very single-pointed solutions, solving particular payment problems, uh, and then in the process removing some of the friction that is usually associated with payments. And payments is a very high-frequency use case, right? It just happens so many times during the day. So those building those specific curated solutions for specific payment problems—that's where they've differentiated themselves. And uh, the other thing I would say is uh, the focus. Um, and by that I mean, is focus not just on a particular problem, but their focus on specific verticals, specific domains, markets, geos. So combining that with uh, the specific problems, they've been able to create these curated solutions and differentiate themselves in the market. And when, once you start with that, building a customer base around that, gaining that momentum, that's when. They've started to expand and started to offer other bank-like services in the wider marketplace. That's how I think they've been differentiating.
1: No, that's helpful, and and, and as fintechs are growing and they are offering, as you mentioned, more bank-like services, what do you think the traditional players can do to win in in this area?
3: Yeah, sure, so I know we just talked about what fintechs have been doing and what have resulted in their growth and started to offering more bank-like services expanding across the value chain of financial services. Um, if I was to talk about what some of the traditional players, banks would do differently, we would categorize them in like four or five different areas. Um, so one we talked about the focus some of the fintechs have. So similarly for the banks, um, I would talk about if they could start focusing on some specific verticals and segments. And what some of our research is showing is there are large verticals segments, $100 billion plus, more than 10, 20 verticals across housing, retail, restaurants, multiple verticals, where if the banks can start focusing on those verticals and start offering not just payment services for those verticals, but value-added services that are tied to that vertical. So take a restaurant vertical as an example, right? There are players on the fintech world that are just focused on the payment processing needs of that vertical? Could banks look at a vertical like a restaurant vertical and not just offer payment processing, but offer other needs of that vertical, creating digital menus, inventory management, lending solutions? So that focus on the verticals is going to be very helpful. And a dominant player in a particular vertical can gain a load of new revenues from that vertical. Another key area that we are seeing is Looking at the commerce versus just the payment. And and what I mean by that is not just focusing on the payment transaction, but looking at the commerce value chain end to end. And another one of our research indicates that the profit pools, revenue pools that sit in the commerce value chain are a lot more than just that sitting in the payment transaction. So whatever happens before the payment transaction and what happens after the payment transaction. So an example would be as a customer, I start the search online, what goods do I wanna purchase? Can some of these players start influencing, looking at their purchase behavior, starting providing targeted offers before, going early in the commerce life cycle of the customer before just being on the checkout page. As I'm looking at these products, coupons, and we see some of the FinTechs are like making acquisitions in this space that will help them get early in the commerce life cycle. Another point in the commerce life cycle is beyond the transaction. Once the payment has been made, are there things that you can help the customer with managing their product shipments, managing their business on the B2B site? What I mean by that is there are players that are helping after the payment. Where are my goods, shipments, returns, tracking? Can I see all of that in one place, right? for if I'm looking at a business, are there areas that I can provide them with? Payroll processing, their account receivable account management. If you're providing them treasury services, can you help them with their ARAP automation? Can you help digitize their bills? So it's the things that are sitting outside of just the core payment. That's where there are a lot of opportunities for the traditional players to explore. Uh, The third thing I would say is, and they're all interrelated if you think about it, right? Like you take out a vertical, you look at the value added services. Now, the third point is bring your whole self, your whole financial institution or the bank to the customer. Uh, and what I mean by that is, and this is a true differentiator because some of the FinTechs don't have that capabilities, honestly, right? It's like uh, a client is not just looking to process the transaction. They're looking for treasury needs. They're looking for cash management needs. They're looking for employee payroll card needs. So Instead of going in product silos as cards, treasury, cash management, liquidity, payment processing, acquiring, if you bring your whole self to the customer and bring the commercial retail side together in a bank, offering them end-to-end products and financial services needs, uh, that's going to be a huge, huge differentiation. And we are already seeing some moves. It's not easy. It's easier said than done because it involves changes in the operating model bringing people together. But this is going to be a huge differentiator. Now, if you wanna look at the commerce lifecycle, wanna provide vertical solutions and bring your bank, you can't do all of this together. So my fourth one would be, how can you leverage partnerships and ecosystems to go faster to the market? And, And there are again, even within partnerships ecosystems, there's different ways. Um, You could partner with a FinTech who offer a very product-specific category. We talked of ARAP automation. Could you partner with a FinTech that can digitize tables? That's one. Or you can be the ecosystem orchestrator itself as you're partnering with others. It's just like, all right, can I search for my housing needs, my legal needs, office needs? Can I search for suppliers on a financial services website? And when I find that provider, I make a payment right on your website so it's kind of my one stop shop for everything well, not everything but at least some of the primary verticals that you concentrate on so you could participate in these ecosystems build ecosystems but it's going to be driven by our partnerships and then the fifth one I would say is if you want to play in verticals if you want to play in the commerce value chain build partnerships all of this in our word is going to be enabled by technology so Uh, And we can talk more about it, but banks have to be on the path to tech modernization. There are different approaches to get to it. But all of these things are going to be enabled by a better modern
1: technology. That's great. Thank you. And and I totally agree. I think that's the differentiator for the banks is that they are in a unique position to be that one-stop shop, right? That that end-to-end solution is just figuring out how to get there. And there's a lot of different ways to look at it. So appreciate that. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Johan, how do you think payments data will be a differentiator and what role will it play in in winning in payments?
2: Yeah, um, we as a firm are quite bullish on the role of data very generally. Um, I think that's no secret. But then also in the context of payments, um, let me speak a little bit more about this here. In the context of payments, I think the first thing is that May not always be well understood. There is a lot of data that gets accumulated in a payments transaction, obviously, and that uh, goes all the way from sort of the consumer data, which in the card context the issuer normally holds, all the way to sort of the technical data that sits behind it, um, then to the to the merchant data, um, which products are getting sold, um, who buys them, and which store, and so on. One of the big challenges in the sort of the traditional card ecosystem, when it comes to payments, is you have very different people or very different entities who hold the data. Right, the issuer holds some of the data, the acquirer holds some of the data, the network holds some of the data, and then a variety of other players, the ISVs, the fraud providers, and whatnot, hold other data. That's one big challenge. The other challenge is even within those organizations, within a traditional acquirer or issuer, that data very rarely is in the form where you can easily analyze it or even provide sort of really meaningful insights out of it. The only place really where that has happened is fraud-related data aggregation analysis and so on we think this will change and we think that there is a huge opportunity to change this we see some really fascinating use cases across a couple of domains of how to use the data one element is um, for for consumers providing consumers insights um a bank in australia tried to do this providing consumers insights into where, where others shop that are similar to them, how others spend money that are similar to them to help with budgeting, provide recommendations, provide them with very gamified experience of, hey, people like you, they spent more there last year, they go to those restaurants, you should try this one out, and then obviously make money on sort of the back end of this. The other one that is quite fascinating is um, for, for businesses, especially small businesses. They do not have large teams that help them understand who their consumers are, to whom they sell, what time those people buy, how frequently those people buy, which product pairs they buy, all of that sort of stuff. And that is like very inherent in the payments data. So we see acquirers and payment companies working on this. To, to provide insights, but then more and more to provide sort of actionable results. Hey, you need to pre-order this, or hey, you need to stock up this because this sells really well, or you might want to change the price here because um, we've seen it in other places where it sells much better at a, at a different price point. So really getting involved in the business, helping them with the data the acquirer or the ISV inherently has. And then Finally, we see a lot of sort of new models emerging that are probably quite new to people who are traditionally in payments. Um, Stuff like, can we work on invoicing data? Can we work on getting the invoice from the merchant to the, the issuing platform, for example, and display it there? Can we put in warranty features? Can we sort of, if you imagine a future where you can go to your credit card app Um, and just hit rebuy and the the thing that you bought a month ago automatically gets delivered to your place again. Like These sort of features where the issue isn't just uh, like an accounting software if you want of all your purchases, um, but is useful in a consumer life, gets in there, helps with all rebuy, customer service, warranty, claims, all of those sort of things. So we see a lot of these sort of newer innovative models of how can we rethink data in the context of payments. And then a couple of others that are sort of very common in other industries, um, but again, sort of tactically and payments haven't been there. If you think about advertising, if you think about sort of the grayish zone of data monetization around location data and all of those sort of things, um, we see a fair bit of this, um, but, most of the clients we speak to um, are sort of a little bit shy to go in there for good reasons in many cases because some of this has a bit of a sort of a negative touch and feel to it. Although I would argue, if done well, and if it's like the data is used in a very trustful way for the consumer, there should be a lot of opportunity in it to give to to use the data to make the life valuable to the consumer. So we are quite bullish on data. We, we talk with um, Aclaras and other payment companies a lot about the really valuable data that they have there um, and what products and services to do with this, or even how to sort of put this data separately on the balance sheet, which is another team at EY that is working on those sort of things, so quite bullish on data in the context of finance.
1: Yeah, no, no, and I agree with you. I think that is what's going to differentiate these a lot of these payment providers in the future. So, yeah, that's, that's, those are really good points. And um, how do you see payment providers going above and beyond in payments?
2: Yeah, good point. And, and quite related, Alison, uh, to your point just now. Um, we, we talked about data a lot. So I think the, the job of a payment provider in the future probably won't just be any more I'll help you accept the payment, but hey, I help you to run your business better. So, data as one of those very big things, as you just mentioned. Squarely related to that is what sort of in the payments lingo could be what we think of ISVs, i.e., folks that are very segment or industry specific and offer broad services that sit around payments. Like if you think sort of the traditional one in a restaurant. Um, If you go there, um, those businesses go in there and say, hey, I can do a couple of things for you. I can help you with orders, with menus, with um, seating arrangements, with all of this stuff. And oh, and by the way, I help you with payments. Um, We see a lot of this happening for payment players um, where they want to go sort of down this path as to we aren't just a guy who helps you accept payments because There's only that much money in there, but let us offer you much more services that inherently have to be very, very vertical specific, like be it a restaurant, yoga studio, whatever it is, going down this path, which in the payments lingo, we might call ISV type services, Um, like offering very broad services um, to very specific verticals. We see a lot happening there. Um, The other one is, if you think more broadly, what other services can we offer to our customers, to our end merchants? Um, there is the the data one, the ISV, a proposition. One that we see very broadly is financial services. i talked about this before, but um, you could think about this um, along the lines of, in the past, you would only go there and say, hey, we can help you with payments. We see a lot now going around the lines of, we can help you with payments and we can help you with, A wallet, setting up a wallet, um, providing lending um, to consumers as as well as to businesses. Quite frankly, we can help you with embedded insurance. If you sell sort of the traditional example, um, Apple selling iPhones, and with one click you add a device insurance to that, and it costs you a couple of dollars a month. Why don't you want that for your for your bike? Why don't you want this for certain higher risk excursions, like at a dollar a year and health insurance is included? Why don't you one of my pet peeves: Why doesn't United sell that to me when I travel um, to 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 Germany for two weeks? I click here, and health insurance is included for two weeks. Um, like you could think of so many of those embedded financial services that a payment provider could sell because the this integration uh, would look quite quite similar. It's like an API that offers financial services, and you can ideally buy it in one click and add it to the transaction. Um, Uh, So we see this and then the last one that we see and some companies I think do a really good job around this is if you think about selling to sort of small, medium business corporates, what other services can we add to this? And we are having a lot of discussions at the moment around ESG. Um, So if you think about small, medium businesses around the world, ESG is coming up either because you believe in it and you want to do something Good around it, or if you don't believe in it, the regulator comes and tells you, you got to do something about it. But, like, what services can you offer given that you already have a relationship with those merchants, with those businesses related to that? Can you give them calculators, tools, offset capabilities, these sort of things? And there are sort of a range of services like ESG, if you think cyber, if you think other categories, like what can you offer to those merchants that are over and above just, hey, we help you accept a payment?
1: Yeah, there's so much opportunity, that's really great. Thank you. Abai, a lot of the traditional players have many legacy systems in place. How would you suggest that they approach modernizing this legacy technology and how would that help them win in payments?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, So again, if I I was to think about, and uh, I I come started with a technology background and then have moved to business. So I can see both sides of the equation. But, uh, but if I am to, again, classify that into some big buckets, I think the first thing, uh, and we do work with the uh, with of our clients who are taking the tech modernization journey in payments or broadly. One of the things uh, we do emphasize heavily on is these initiatives have to be business-led. Uh, I mean, we know this is a technology modernization exercise but uh, the technology needs to be clearly aligned to the business objectives. And uh, what we mean by that is the technology that's delivering on the modernization needs to have a clear line of sight on what the business wants in terms of which markets, which verticals, what sort of products are we building? Because I mean, you talked about data, we talked about partnerships, integrations, obviously all of that is going to be delivered by technology. But if they have a better grasp of uh, the clear objectives of the business in the short term and the longer term, and we've seen that fail sometimes where uh, technology is not well informed of that. So if they have a very clear uh, line of sight into business objectives, the business strategy, both short medium and long term, it helps them organize their roadmaps, their hiring decisions, and their product roadmaps aligned to that. That's what I would say. One, two is uh, I mean sometimes you know at different places, depending on their size, there is an inclination towards what do we build, what do we buy, what do we partner with as we are modernizing our technology. So I think that's a clear um, winner for some places where they're able to have the right frameworks for build versus buy versus partnering. And what what it comes down to is what you think is utility, what you think is something that you partner, what you think is strategic and differentiating. Do you want to invest your time and resources in building technology that's differentiating, that involves customer touch points? Are there opportunities to either buy or partner with someone for um, services that are more utility, back-end pay- payments, clearing and settlement, which will have to be updated with based on regulatory changes. So this whole build by partner framework is very important as you take a modernization journey. And then the third thing I would say is, you know, there's diff- different paths to modernization. There are organizations who work around their core, modernize their core, hollow out the core, whatever we want to call it. There are others that take the more greenfield approach, start from scratch. Am um, I right or wrong? You could use a modern platform to launch newer capabilities or fix your foundations to begin with. Different paths to get there. Uh, what we've seen not work is where they take a big bang approach, or we're saying it's a large three-year journey and a lot of these big benefits are being delivered at the end of this transformation journey. Um, That's what's generally not working. So it needs to be a incremental value-added approach. And what what I mean by that is, while you're building your technology foundations, uh, you are continuously delivering new features, functionalities, and value because, I mean, (laughs) for real, think about it. We we all need to balance this uh, need for transformational change with the budgetary realities. So uh, with that in mind, if we can start thinking about with what partnership I can quickly deliver something while I'm on my modernization journey, uh, that helps a lot.
1: No, thank you, all great points. And you're right, there's a lot of different ways to look at modernization, but I think that starting with the business is key and getting that for the rest of the buy-in in the organization. So Johan, what activity do you see in the blockchain and crypto space that is helping innovative wins in the payment space?
2: Happy to talk about it. It feels like these days, no payments discussion is complete without uh, the words crypto or DeFi, anything along these lines. Um, I a little bit of uh, sort of just to two levels that. Um, I started getting into crypto space. I think the first project we did on this was seven years ago, so quite early on. And back in the days, I think the belief was this is going to be the new set of payment rails, or at least a really attractive um, uh, attractive one to, to watch out for. Um, but since then, any consumer survey we run, anything we see, anytime I ask folks around the office, almost no consumer uses crypto for payments. Like The numbers are really, really low. Um, and if they are there, it is typically sort of higher value item. The, the luxury item, if you made $2 million on crypto, maybe you buy your wife a Louis Vuitton bag as, a, as a, a hopefully a little bit of a fun example, like these type of items, right? I have yet to experience somebody buying a sandwich with crypto. Um, so it's, it's still very much an edge case in the consumer business world, especially in the US where this is like. Very uh, a very frictionless experience for, for most users. However, we see it popping up in um, payment value chains that are much more friction. Um, B2B in some areas, uh, cross-border, in countries where um, where there are challenges with the currency or the currency systems, inflation and other elements. Um, inflation that is higher than the US, um, I must say, these days. So these type of environments and contexts um, where the numbers are really high, um, like you look in in, in some countries, um, B2B payments or consumer crypto payments are really high. I think the numbers are getting close to billion consumer accounts globally. So it is a well adopted currency, if you want, or at least store of wallet, probably uh, as a, as a better description. Um, yeah, and to go back to use case, we see cross border is popping up um, both on the front end as as well as on the back end, if you want. B 2 B trade finance being discussed for a long time, and then in the U.S. we see a lot around sort of the settlement side of things. Um, so again, probably more in a cross-border context. But if you're a merchant who has uh, operations across a variety of countries, and you um, you get the currency gets settled in your local account, and then you got to go to your bank and sort of send it all back to your to your home country where you actually have the expenses. Um, and where you have to pay the staff at the end of the month. Uh, we see a lot of value of uh, these sort of things getting settled in in, in crypto, probably more specifically in stable coins these days. So that one is happening. Obviously, uh, crypto cards has been a really big thing, uh, which always amuses me um, to speak with our crypto maximalists and the office that uh, the way to solve the world with crypto is to add it as a, as a card feature. Um, but this one is obviously coming up and happening a fair bit. Um, and then I think in, in broader financial services, I think the folks in in our team that are the most busy with crypto are probably more in the, in the wealth space. Um, uh, tokenization of assets, um, um, financial advice around this, um, they always see it a lot. And I think, again, this will probably have very quickly follow-on implications if you tokenize assets, if you tokenize... Bonds and these sort of things. Then why don't you pay for these things in stable coins as opposed to through traditional payment methods? So that is where we see the most in consumer payments. Um, It's still very, very nascent.
1: Yeah. No. Thank you. That's that's really great insight into the activity that's happening, which is a lot going on in different fronts so
2: a lot that's very true (laughs)
1: that's a lot yeah so johan and abai um i'd like to close with a question that we ask all of our pause for payments guests if you were to give career advice to the rising stars in our audience what would that be so i'll start with
2: johan i think there's sort of a lot of this this general advice of of, uh, a career and um and, and what to do with it i i think One thing that I find um, really fascinating as payment is how much new stuff is happening, how much innovation is happening. And you Alison and team sort of doing a great job of of sharing those sort of things. I would encourage all the folks uh, just to be curious and reach out um, to people to understand more of what's happening. I mean, in this discussion alone, we covered so many aspects of payments and there's so much happening in all these different domains in the ISV space, in the data space, in the data monetization space, in the um, in the crypto space. I think just be, be curious, reach out to people. Most people are really happy to talk about what they're doing, what they're working on. Um, and the other aspect in payments is it is in many cases such a B2B sort of behind the scenes type of thing um, that if you don't reach out, it's sort of not very often in the news. So reach out, speak with people, build a network, use Alison and Women Payment as a sort of a great forum for this. Um, I think there's so much to be curious and engaged about. Um, it's a really exciting space.
1: Thank you. Great advice and good point. I
3: appreciate it.
1: <laughs> How about you, bye?
3: I mean, uh, I, I think great points from you. On. Um, one thing I would say is, uh, it served me well, um, and especially being in consulting, I've realized uh, because I, I never worked for a payments company. I work in consulting, but it's revolved around payments. And uh, one thing I would say is if this is an area of interest for you, if payments uh, interests you, intrigues you, um, try to find some learnings in anything that you're doing around payments. Uh, especially for me, um, what I've seen is as consult- consultants, we've done projects around program management, risk, and regulatory, uh, market insights, benchmarking. Like the The domain is so wide. And sometimes there are obvious good learnings that come from when you're working on a payments innovation initiative. It's very exciting, always drives me. I'm fascinated by it. Uh, but sometimes you'll work on things that aren't payments, risk, and regulatory. Not so much fun, but what I've realized over the years is things that I've worked on like risk and regulatory programming, large transformations, technology improvements. They've also, as I started to go deeper into some of those topics, those have served me well, because then when we start talking about payments innovation, there's always the risk and regulatory angle that comes in. So whatever you're doing, sometimes you may find it not so fascinating, but uh, but try to pick in as much domain knowledge or network with as many people as you can on that particular initiative you're working on. And uh, it's very likely that you may end up using it in future payments initiatives.
1: Yeah, great points. Knowledge is power. So... I, you've up nicely. No, thank you both so much for joining us and for sharing your insights. Um, this, I think this has been a really great discussion. I want to thank our audience for listening as we explore as we explored the exciting world of payments with Johan and Abai. So thank you so much again for your time and I hope everybody uh, has a great day.
2: Thank you, Alison. Have a good
3: Michael, weekend. Of- this
0: was great. Thank you too. The for Payments is produced by Women in Payments, and you can learn more about us at womeninpayments.org. You can also sign up to be a member and gain access to our global membership portal, where you'll find the latest industry trends, exciting career opportunities, and so much more, all created by women for women. All of our episodes can be found on many good podcast streaming platforms. And if you enjoy today's podcast, please remember to rate and subscribe. It really helps us to get found by others. Thanks everyone for listening.